speaking. For those of you who haven't, oh gosh. All right. Started out that way, why not, right? (laughs) All right. Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Liz, and I'm the children's pastor here at Hydrant Church. This is not going to go back in my pocket. Um, Oh, you guys, if you only knew. Um, (laughs) All right, so Pastor Tim and Pastor Anita, our lead pastor and our worship pastor, are on sabbatical um, this summer, and so I have the honor of speaking with you today, and it is no secret around here that I do not speak to adults. All right, I have been a children's pastor for 10 years, and it wasn't until moving here four years ago that they started to make me come up and preach. So um, a <laughs> little, little nervous, a little, a little scared. I was sitting down here reviewing my notes, and everybody around me is like, it's not going to change. You're going to be fine. I'm like, shut up. Um, so my fear of speaking is deep. It is really deep. But I have a secret that I've not told anybody until this sermon. There was a time in my life where I dreamed of being a conference speaker. I would go as a teen and I would watch these people move a room in their relationship with God. And I thought that would have been the most amazing job. Not for the glory of it, because I don't like people looking at me. But how awesome would it be to be a part of God moving people from one point of their relationship to the next? And I wanted to be a part of whatever it was that God was doing. So I would sit at conferences and I would start to form sermons in my head, not really truly listening to what was going on. And I would dream of one day God doing that for me. But today I stand before you scared to death. (laughs) Scared to death. We all have an emotional bus and we are supposed to let hope and love and all those positive, good feeling things drive that bus. But for me, fear is my driving emotion. It's the piece that pushes me and stops me from doing anything I do. It pushes me sometimes right off a cliff. It is terrible. I start to shake and I start to fear everything around me. And if I had to describe what fear would be, it would be the exact moment for me walking up on the stage and my mic falling off, or I'm wearing real shoes today, so I am bound to trip. You guys, I'm telling you, every single time I wear real shoes, I fall. Walmart, under my car, um, it, like you name it, I have done it. It's terrible. I'll be walking in the office, and Neil call my name, and I'm just, woo, there I go. It's terrible. So that will happen today, I guarantee it. Not only will I fall, but my iPad will go off at some point. It's the first time I've preached from my iPad. I can already tell you I don't like it. And so something is going to happen with it, I'm telling you. And you are going to sit there and stare at this poor soul trying to get it together on stage. I guarantee it. We'll finally get to the message, and we're going along great. And then all of a sudden you realize that I'm not a gifted speaker, and you'll be begging for Tim to come back. (laughs) telling you, but don't worry. We only have two more weeks. Not that anybody is counting. Not that I have this counter on my phone that keeps going. Don't worry. Um, You may sit and question if this person standing before you actually went to Bible school or not. I did. I have the degree. I can prove it. Now, after I get done, all of you are going to come up to me and you're going to be like, you were so good. It was great. 
I want to remind you that lying is a sin. (laughs) I want to remind you that that's what's happening here. All right? This isn't about a pity compliment, not even a real compliment. This is about the fact that daily I struggle to not let fear drive my emotional bus. Daily. So as you may have guessed, today we're going to be talking about fear. And so when you came in, there were some rocks on your seat. No, Scott didn't forget to clean the church, and the kids did not come in and leave you a gift. We're going to be doing something with this. I'll get you back, don't worry. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So we're going to be doing something with this. I want you to think of a fear. Now, not a fear like I'm afraid of heights or a fear of spiders or whatever little fear you have. I want you to think of that big fear, the one that stands between you and what God has called you to do, that deep down fear that is holding you back from anything that God has called you to do, all right? And so I want you to sit and I want you to think about that fear. And as we continue on through the the sermon today, I want you to write it on it. There's some pens there are some permanent markers in your seat. You'll have to share a little bit. Um, but go ahead and as we're doing this, just write that fear on that rock. So let's move on. I love the movie Inside Out. I remember taking Zoe, one of our teens, there my like very first week here in, in North Carolina. And we sat in the movie theater and I'm trying to hide the fact from this girl that I am bawling in this kid movie in the movie theater the, character of, the main character of the story moves from Minnesota clear across the country and goes through all the emotions that a teen goes through as they experience all the changes of life. Having just moved from Wisconsin myself and coming here, it hit me real hard. And I watched as in the movie, we see the character's um, fear take control of the emotional control board that is Riley. And so fear comes in, screaming and yelling all the time about all the bad things that are going to happen. At one point in the movie, he comes in with a stack this high of all the things that could go wrong. That is me. Anybody who hangs out with me for five minutes will tell you that that is me. I can tell you at any given moment what 300 million things are going to go wrong just because of one simple action. My brain just thinks that way. And so fear has always been the driver of my bus. Now, I've heard the lines over and over again, you should not fear. I know that the Bible says, do not fear over 400 times. And it's no coincidence, it's more than every day of the week, but still I struggle. I struggle to not let fear take a part of every decision that I make. I've let fear stop me from my dreams, from my calling, and anything God has let me, called me to be. But I'm finding slowly that there's another option. I'm finding that there's something else called hope. And I'm finding that hope is what we get when we take the keys of the bus away from fear and let God have them. Hope can be an overused term in Christian circles, but it's one of the most powerful things we have as Christians. We, or hope allows us to live our lives the way God has called us to live them. 
There are many stories in scripture that tell us about the tension of fear and hope, but one of Hydrant Kids' favorites is um, Gideon. It's a story with angels and heroes, and God asked that hero to do some really crazy stuff. So if you want to follow along, you're more than welcome to, but you can find the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6 and 7. It always seems that we find God's people back doing the things that he told them not to do. The Israelites found themselves again in the place where they had turned their back on him, and they were now hiding in caves because of this. A rival tribe has become its ruler over them, and they have no food because those, those rival tribes have come in and started stealing it and, and really just beating them down because they, they could. Life was miserable, and hope was not even in the Israelites' vocabulary at that time. God's people began to cry out, begging him to save them from their situation. And God, the good God that he is, heard those cries. The hero of our story is Gideon. He's the weakest, or his clan is the weakest. And he, excuse me, I'm of course going to get the hiccups too, of course. Um, (laughs) He is the weakest of the group, and he is the runt of the litter. He doesn't instill much hope for the people of God, and he feels as if he has nothing to offer. Gosh, I can relate. God's angel tells Gideon that he is the one to save the Israelites from oppression that they are under. Fear, though, like an old friend, creeps into Gideon's mind. He could, or How could he be the one that would save God's people? Was it a joke? What if he messed up? What if he trips on his own sword and kills himself? What if he can't lead people? What if, what if, what if? God, however, offers hope that only he can and promises Gideon that he will defeat the Midian army and that he will be with him. To those of us on the outside, that sounds like great hope, right? But when you're in the middle, not so much. I don't know about all of you, but God has revealed promises to me. Big promises. But my fear stops me from stepping into those promises I question everything because of fear. I stop believing that God can do the things he has promised to do because fear screams over those promises that have been whispered into my heart and pushes away any thought of hope. Gideon's fear was screaming for him to back out, to give up before he even started to not listen to those promises that God had whispered to him. He was afraid to see that hope or see the hope that God was putting right before him. So he responded out of fear. If you're serious about this, do me a favor. Give me a sign to back up what you're saying. Don't leave until I come back and I bring a gift to you. The angel of God told him, "Okay, I'll wait." Gideon went and prepared a young goat and a huge amount of unraised bread. He put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot and took them all back to the shade of a tree for a sacred meal. The angel told him to put the meal on a rock and pour the broth over them. The angel then touched the meal and fire broke out right before him and the angel slipped away. Gideon then knew that this was the angel of God and what he was saying was true. 
So Gideon sees all of this, and he starts to freak out. All of us would, right? God, I've seen your angel. I've seen it. Oh, my goodness. Did you see that? Did you see what just happened? God says to him, don't panic. Don't be afraid. Dang, there's those stupid verses again. Don't be afraid. God sends Gideon to then take down all the idols that his people had built up to a god called Baal. People have put them up in place of worshiping God. I think that fear has become an idol in our lives. An idol is anything we focus on more than God. And fear is one that we have put up in place of God. My fear of being liked, respected, loved, and the list goes on and on, gets in my way of doing what God has called me to do. It gets in the way of hope. We have to remove those idols before we can start to see the hope that God has for us. But how do we do that? How do we remove idols of fear? God isn't calling us to get rid of them all at once. So don't worry. And he for sure isn't calling us to get rid of them all by ourselves. But how do we get rid of the ones that are getting in the way of true freedom? First, we have to identify them. We have to name what that fear is and know what it, know what it is. Call it by name and what it does to us. Then we have to surrender it. We have to give it up, and we can't keep holding on to it, picking it back up time and time again. For me, I had to choose a couple of people I trust the most in my life, and I had to tell them and give them permission and them alone to call me out on my fear. If I was making a decision out of fear, those people have permission to say, mm -mm, stop, you're just being afraid. Those people who know me more than anything else, but those people that also walk through life with me daily, those are the ones that I can trust and that will hear or that I will hear when they call me out. If it's not somebody I trust, it's not gonna, it's not gonna help. And so when I'm in the middle of letting fear drive my bus, they help me to take away those keys. Surrender is acknowledgement that we can't do on our own, but it's also the actual act of giving up control. I don't like giving up control. You can ask anybody. <laughs> but we have to. By holding on to our fear, we're saying, God, I want to control this. I want to hold on to it because it feels safe. Your hope feels unknown to me. And I don't like the unknown. I know that fear is driving the bus when I'm trying to control everything and everyone around me. It's when I surrender that and lay it down, take those keys away, that hope is allowed to come in. But only then. So all of this sounds great. We know how to do it. We know how to identify it. And all these things, we lay it down, we take those keys, but we're human. And so we question we wonder and we go back to the fear that feels so comfortable and we pick it all back up again. Gideon did this exact same thing. Gideon called his army, but he wondered what the heck was going on and how it was all going to work. 
So he called out to God, and he wanted to make sure that this hope that he was feeling was real, that it was okay to feel the hope. So he said to God, if this is right, if you're using me to save Israel, then let's try this. I'm going to place a fleece of wool on the floor. If in the morning it's wet, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are really going to use me to save your people. So he woke up the next day, and the fleece was wet. The ground around him was dry. He had his proof. I love how the message puts what's next. He says, Gideon says to God, now don't be impatient with me, but let me say just one more thing. Sounds like a conversation I've had with God and other people before, right? We're afraid. We're afraid that that person's going to be upset with us. We're afraid that God is just going to wipe us out, be done with it. Maybe we even feel like our relationships are that way. We fear constantly. God's already given the proof, the reassurance, the hope that we're, is needed, but yet we continue to go back and forth. So he's afraid. Gideon says to God, let's try this one more time. But this time I want the fleece to be dry and the ground to be wet. And if that fleece is dry, then and only then will I have hope and not fear. Sure enough, the next morning he gets up and God's done it again. The fleece was dry and the ground was wet and there was no denying that God was going to do something big and that it was okay to have that hope. Don't we all do this? We give up our fear for a second and control and we think, okay, I've given it all up. I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. Then we always need one more sign. Just one more sign of reassurance. We need one more confirmation because we don't trust that hope stands before us. So we run back to that old standby of fear because hope is not as tangible as fear. We always go back to what is known, staying in our comfort zone, keeping control. Gideon goes on to form a huge army of 32,000 people. Now, it's not as big as the enemy army, but it's a decent number. And I'm sure that it was easier to hold on to hope when you've got a, a big group surrounding you. But God said to Gideon, you have way too many people. I can't let you and your men take credit and forget about me and what I have done. So I'm going to need you to say, if anyone is afraid or has doubt, then I want you to leave. 22 of the 32 companies get up and leave. He's left with 10. I'm sure Gideon is a little worried at this point. That's a drastic difference in numbers. But yet again, God says, you have too many people. So go down to the stream and anyone who drinks like a dog lapping up the water can stay. Send the rest home. 300 people were all that remained. 300 out of 32,000. The Bible doesn't say that Gideon peed his pants, but I'm pretty sure he did at that moment. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. He is scared to death. 300 people. But God did what seemed impossible in a way that only he can, and Gideon and his army of 300 defeated the enemy, enemy army. 
fear, and hope. In the midst of a battle, we cannot see the victory that God has promised. We cannot see that the hope he has given us has won the war already, and we don't need to fear. But just because we cannot see the victory does not mean it's not there. If we give it up, that's where hope lives. The Christian author and writer Carrie Tenboom said it best when she wrote, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Scripture says in Romans 8.25, But if we hope for what we cannot see, we wait for it with patience. I don't have a lot of patience. I'm going to admit that to you. Put fear down. Put down that thing that is standing in the way of what God has called you to do and be. Put down that thing that you are holding on to tightly because it gives you an excuse to not walk into what God has called you to do. Guys, I'm the worst at this. I'm terrible at putting down fear. We're all holding on to fear. Hopefully, as I've been talking, you've been thinking about that fear that thing that is standing between what God has called you to do, who he has told you to be, hopefully you've thought of the one that is stopping you from surrendering it all to God. The ones that are stopping you from walking into the life that has called you to be or called you to do and give up those keys. We fear the unknown. We fear the rejection. We fear what will happen if we mess it all up. But what if we gave it all up? What if we stopped letting fear make us miss out on the most amazing things on life? What if we stopped letting it drive our bus straight off a cliff and into whatever God has called us to do? What if we laid it all down at the altar and never picked it back up? My fears are numerous. I have so many that I can't even begin to to tell you them. But in this last year, I've been working really hard, really hard. There are days I'm getting it really good, and I don't fear a whole lot. And then there are days where I absolutely suck. But what if today I left them all here? What if today I said I'm no longer going to be afraid of what others think? I'm no longer going to be afraid of who loves or cares for me because God does? Because that's my biggest fear. Dang it, I said I wasn't going to cry. What if I didn't think, or what if I do the thing and, and they don't, or, okay. What if I do that thing that seems dumb and people think I'm dumb? Who cares? What if I say that thing and they don't like me anymore? Who cares? What if I give up all that fear? What if I could, what if I could? How different would my life look If I would just give it up, how much more happy and free would I be if I left that here? What if today I stopped fearing whatever it is that's standing in the way and walk straight into the hope that God has for me? 
By now, I hope that you have written down your fear. And now if not, here's your warning. You're going to need to. Here in a minute, we're going to open up this altar. We opened it up during prayer as this place where you could come and talk with God. But now we're going to open it up as a place where you can come and leave your fear. I'm going to have a song play. And just as God leads you, come and physically place that fear down. Come and lay it all at his feet. And don't pick it back up again. So we're going to go ahead and play the video. I'm going to just give you some time to to lay that fear down at the altar. I'm going to go ahead and do mine. You guys can go ahead.
What if we left here and left all of these things here? What a difference our life would be if we walked into that hope that God has called us to live in. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Just ask God to remove these fears. God, we are, we are here broken before you. We are here waiting for you to do something. And God, your hope seems so far off right now. It seems like it can't even begin to sink in. But God, we leave these fears here, making room for the hope that you have for us. We ask that you would move into those places, into those dark spaces where fear has been residing for far too long. God, and we ask that you would bring the hope that can only come from you. God, we are grateful for what you are doing and what you will continue to do. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you for listening to me for, oh, it seems like forever. But go and enjoy some homemade cookies on your way out. And I pray that you have an amazing, amazing day.